Good morning and welcome to the Snake River Lib podcast. It is, well, it's an afternoon now. Going to record highs today of 70-something here in Kansas. It's the 6th of November, Monday. Welcome. I apologize for not uh, doing the podcast last week. There were just too many things that were built up that needed to be taken care of. So, again, my apologies for that. I want to try to make this as quick as I can. Uh, start about co- talking about Congress. A couple of things about Congress. I have a spending uh, authorization runs out here in 11 days. On the 17th of this month, uh, the government is going to uh, essentially run out of money. They don't, of course, run out of money. Uh, a lot of stuff is, automat- is on autopilot and is not going to stop going out, but it if we were to hit that point, then people that are non-essential, and you should think very carefully about that term, non-essential employees are not going to be working. doesn't mean they won't ultimately get paid. They'll get paid after, uh, after the Congress funds the government. They come back. They'll just have those vacation days that they didn't have to use of their own. So just, you know, just think about that when you're forced off because you're sick and you can't go to work and because your work doesn't have sick pay, you don't get paid. Well, or worse, your business runs out of the business that you work for runs out of money. So you don't get paid for work that you did. These people are going to not work and they're going to get paid for it. Should the government shutdown occur? Now, having said that, you know, right now there's this big, you know, we have a new speaker, uh, Mike Johnson, Louisiana, he uh, is committed to uh, advancing regular order, which the uniparty uh, or establishment party of both sides in Washington, D.C. are dead set against. You say, well, what's your proof of that? Well, it's simple. There are four bills that account for 70% of discretionary spending, meaning bills that Congress has to pass every year. So there's non-discretionary spending, which is interest on the debt, essentially uh, uh, Medicare, Social Security, pensions, et cetera. That stuff, um, Congress doesn't pass that. That's, that's spending that's baked into the cake. So spending that they have to, that, that they choose to spend money on rather than spending that they have to spend money on, 70% of what they choose to spend money on is sitting in the Senate, and the Senate is doing nothing with it. They're not having hearings on those bills. They're, they, they've been sent to the Senate where they will die. 70%. So when if we were to go into a, a run out of money on November 17th, just remember that the Senate has done nothing with 70% of the spending. 70% of those employees that may get furloughed didn't have to be. And it's because the Senate refuses to act on regular order. The House is committed to to getting the rest of the spending bills passed. But again, 70% already has. Senate's doing nothing with it. If I were Speaker Johnson, I would get those bills passed. I would recess the House and I said, we will send back members when you're ready to go to conference on those individual spending bills. We will not pass an omnibus this year. 
I mean, it's just pure and simple as that. You you have a press conference. You tell you tell people that you have advanced your agenda, the people's agenda, because it's you know the people's house is the house of representatives. The people's agenda has been advanced to the Senate, and they're not doing anything with it because the Senate wants to do Washington D.C.'s priorities, not yours. And then let them have at it. Also, of course, is a uh, spending bill uh, for emergency aid to Israel, which is not tied to aid to Ukraine. The president, of course, has proposed a bill or proposed legislation that would fund Ukraine, fund Israel as a, as a bone to conservatives, and then to fund not border security, but to fund um, processing of illegals that they're letting into this country, meaning giving funding money so that these people can live on your expense within the United States. That's what the president wants. Now, I, I I, I can't remember the congressman that proposed it, but I thought it was a very good proposal. Give the president the money, some of the money that he wants on Ukraine in exchange for not this money for DHS to spend on people staying here at our expense, but to shut down the border. Of course, the president could just very easily do that. He could reinstate Donald Trump's stay in Mexico policy, which allows people's cases to be adjudicated where they are not building home and hearth in the United States, where when 70% or so of the asylum claims are denied, they get, if it worked, they would get uprooted from their homes and sent back to the country that they left. Of course, that's not going to happen because these people are here for three or four years. Their kids are in school. They're learning English. They've got jobs. Perhaps they, you know, the place to live, and and so they have property here in the United States. And then we're going to uproot them. Tell me what's more humane. That is not. Moving on. Uh, one more thing on Congress before we move on. Senator Tuberville of Alabama, uh, formerly Coach Tuberville of I think of the Auburn Tigers as well as. Uh, Texas Tech Raiders, I th- Red Raiders, I think he came in after Mike Leach, uh, found out that recruiting in West Texas for a third-tier team is a lot harder than a premier SEC team like Auburn. Um, ACC, I don't remember which. doesn't matter. Anyway, S- Senator Tuberville has, again, the Uniparty D.C. establishment tied in knots uh, because of what he's doing with regards to military promotions. Let me explain this real quick. Military promotions for the ranks of full colonel and general uh, staff, generals, requires confirmation by the Senate. Now, what usually happens, shouldn't have ever happened, but what usually happens is that the committee, Armed Forces Committee, whatever in the Senate, will mark up a a list of names for promotion. They'll take it to the Senate floor and they'll ask for unanimous consent for those promotions. And without objection, those people receive their promotions. So they are not ever individually considered. Senator Tuberville has 
put a hold. Essentially, he's going to object to any type of uh, unanimous consent motion on pro military promotions. And this has Republicans in particular, the usual war hawks in the Senate, but, but uh, the uniparty Republicans are tied up in knots because of what Tuberville's doing. And the why to the uniparty doesn't matter, but let me explain the why. He's forcing them to discuss, to have debate, and vote on individual nominations. Now, you would think if you're going to nominate somebody to be the head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, you would think that there should be debate on that, but those things are usually without objection um, on unanimous consent. But no, now they have to bring up individual names, have a debate, four hours, typically, and then a vote. Why is uh, Senator Tuberville doing this? It's because the Department of Defense is breaking the law. Literally. And no one's doing anything about that. No one's asking Secretary Austin. Remember, Secretary Austin used to be the general in charge of Central Command. He was the one that told Barack Obama to say that ISIS was the JV, just to, as a point of reference, uh, as far as competency goes. Secretary Austin because of the Dobbs decision, which allows states to limit abortion, if not outright ban it. The secretary is using federal funds and to give military members time off, as well as travel money, if they live in a state where abortion is restricted past the time that they are. For example, the woman's seven weeks pregnant and decides she wants to have an abortion or finds out that she's pregnant at that point, wants to have an abortion and can't get it in the state she's in, uh, your tax dollars will send her uh, an off-duty time to go to another state, off-duty time with pay, by the way, that doesn't go against her sick leave, to another state where she can get uh, this uh, procedure done and kill the baby within her. So what's the big deal on that? Well, the Hyde Amendment, which is law, states that no federal funds will be used for abortion. And having giving money, time people giving people time off and travel funds to have an abortion is funding abortion. Now, they try to color it a little bit differently and they say that's not actually funding abortion. We're just we're just making it possible for them to get the health care that they need. Uh, the health care that they want for one because I'm not sure of any states that, that forbid abortion, even in the need of medical necessity. But not the argument here. The argument is, is that your taxpayer, your tax dollars are being used to facilitate abortions. Now, you know, if there are states that have, I mean, there are no states I know that have uh, bans prior to six weeks, you know, essentially banning abortion. And I have, the Lib has been very adamant about this. So we disagree uh, with that policy simply be, uh, while I personally think that abortion is wrong, period. 
end of story, I also acknowledge the fact that the American people, according to the Dobbs decision, the American people have weighed in, you know, have the opportunity to weigh in. And I insisted uh, from this microphone prior to the Dobbs decision, prior to the leaking of the Dobbs decision, that were something like that to happen, I think it was when Dobbs was first being argued, that were something like that to happen, state legislatures should put a pause on any any laws that they had to go into effect were row to be overturned to allow people to weigh in because the majority of the American people think that abortion should be available, particularly in term, terms of the life of the mother, rape, incest, etc. And of course, pro-aborts worldwide tout that statistic. What they're not so eager to tout is that about the same number of people, as far as the majority goes, think that there should be significant restrictions on abortion, particularly past uh, a period of viability in the womb. So once a baby is able to be born and live, abortion with the exception, with uh, some exceptions, should be off the table. Libs, they will not tell you what they believe, of course, but they believe that abortion should be up, available up to and including the time of birth. Some libs believe that afterbirth as well is, is acceptable to abort a child. But they're not, they, they don't point that out. And if they do, they point out that such a small percentage, not not realizing, of course, that the percentage you're talking about still is is hundreds, if not thousands, of babies being aborted. So that's where we are as far as as far as some of the things that Congress is going. Senator Tuberville, in my view, is a hero, and the fact that the establishment of both parties is dead set against him, just makes me want to go and contribute to his paint campaign. Just breaking, if you remember several months ago, there was a transgender killer uh, went on a, a, a mass shooting in Nashville, Tennessee, um, had done a, a, a manifesto, which for some reason we've not been able to see. And now we know why. Because the mass killer was a leftist. By the way, most mass killers are not right-wing extremists, contrary to what you're being led to believe in the media. Most of those are left-wing nutjobs. The manifesto of the of the transgender shooter in Nashville is no different. No wonder they haven't told us that. Let's see what else. Anything else newsworthy? Of course, we've got the war going on in in uh, Gaza. You know, Barack Obama is weighing in. We know that Barack Obama probably actually is who's running the White House right now through the uh, puppet Joe Biden. But just just for just as a reminder, you know, 
opposing Barack Obama's policies were was racist because you weren't opposing the policies, you were opposing him. So what's the excuse when you oppose Biden's policies? Because you can't claim racism because Biden's about as white as they come. You know, he used to hang out with the Klan, used to be against all sorts of measures that were instituted to eliminate the barriers of Jim Crow South. So you can't claim racism as reason people are against Biden. And so essentially because of that, it makes it very clear that opposing Barack Obama's policies was not because you're a racist. It was because they were stupid. Anyway, Barack Obama has come out and has said, well, you know, yeah, Hamas kind of overreacted on October 7th, which is an understatement of, of the utmost. But he kind of equivalates that with the occupation and, and all, the, all the typical left-wing claptrap regarding Israel and the Palestinians. Here's the deal with the Palestinians, and it's really no more complex than this. Israel did not occupy Gaza. Israel forced all of its settlers out of Gaza, gave them a turnkey city-state to the Palestinian Authority, who proceeded to run it into the ground, particularly when Hamas was popularly elected by the, the Palestinians in Gaza to be their government. It wasn't Israel, by the way, that forced the Palestinians off their land in 1948. It was all the Arab and Muslim states surrounding Israel that told them to get out because they were going to destroy Israel and they didn't want Palestinians being collateral damage. You know, people that are refugees, according to the UN, the only people that can claim refugee status are people that actually left the country. Their descendants, according to the UN, are not refugees unless you are Palestinian. You can inherit the refugee status if you're Palestinian. But back to Gaza, turnkey state. And with billions from the United States, the UN, and Israel... For infrastructure, Gaza could have been a paradise. It could have been like a massive Mediterranean resort that people would want to go to. And people would want to come and enjoy the weather and, and enjoy the beaches, everything like that. That's not Gaza. Gaza's a crap hole. Why is Gaza a crap hole? Because all these billions that have been given to the Gazan government, which is Hamas, have been used to, turn to, to make weapons to fulfill Hamas's mission, which is to eliminate Jews. Not just from Palestine. 
but to eliminate Jews. Are there bomb shelters for the Palestinians in Gaza? No, because Hamas used all that money to build tunnels that they could uh, burrow, you know, dig tunnels into Israel so that they could carry out terrorist attacks against the Israeli state. Much ado was made about Israel cutting off water and electricity to Gaza. It's a shame if only if only uh, Gaza had received money that they could have had their own water infrastructure, perhaps their own desalinization plant, perhaps their own power plants. Oh, wait, yeah, they were given billions of dollars and they didn't do any of that. Golda Meir was absolutely correct when she said, if Hamas or the Palestinians were to lay down their arms, you'd have a peaceful coexistence with Israel. If Israel lays down their arms, Israel would cease to exist. Go look at the maps from 1948 and 1967, 1973 and 1979 when, when uh, Israel ceded a tremendous amount of territory back to Egypt. Territory which, by the way, had been won, not as Israel being the conqueror, but Israel defending its right to exist. 1948, terrible boundaries defensively for Israel. Guess what? Israel was content to do that. Arabs weren't. They needed to have Israel cease to exist. And so they attacked. Israel gained Gaza and the West Bank and east of east of the uh, Jordan River. 67, they tried again. Egypt lost the Sinai Peninsula. Syria, the Golan Heights. Seventy-three tried again. Israel's always been willing to stay within its borders until those borders were rendered moot, not by Israel as the conqueror. This isn't some reincarnation of David. This is more like Nebuchadnezzar. Except for that they lost. The Arabs and the Persians attacking Israel. Lost. Israel should, yeah, well, they're going to take care of Hamas and Gaza no matter what the world thinks. The United States should really rethink its commitment to the UN. It really should uh, essentially just uh, put the UN building up for sale and have the UN go somewhere else. Keep your seat on the Security Council, but say, you know what? We're going to create our own little thing where people that are democratic can participate. We'll have our own club.
Meanwhile, the border is wide open. How many divisions of unmarried military-age males have been paroled into the United States from countries that may be hostile to us? Just today, they announced that there was a, um, a Senegal man on the terror watch list was released into the United States and they had to go track him down. How many divisions, to put it in a military perspective, have we, of the enemy, have we allowed into this country? Thing is, they don't even need arms because they can get arms here. Not legally, of course, but, but then again, it's the illegal arms trade that's the problem. That's enough for today. It's the Snake River Lib. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Actually, I'm having a pretty good day getting my studies done. We'll talk to you next time.